Welcome to Violet Sessions. I'm Claire Patak. We are really excited to share with you that today's show is the first in a series that we are doing as part of the Port Elliott Festival. Kicking things off, we have two amazing guests, Catherine Hamnett, designer, political activist, and all-around fashion ledge, and Sarah Mower, chief fashion critic of American Vogue, British Fashion Council ambassador for emerging talent, and unofficial godmother of British fashion designers. Here they are talking to my co-host, Danielle Rodoichen, on Violet Sessions. Hello, Catherine Hamlet and Sarah Moa. Welcome to Violet Sessions. Hello. Hello. How's it going? Yeah, good. Mm. Lovely to be here. Um, so we're here to talk about fashion and politics as part of what Sarah's doing at Port Elliot Festival. Sarah, how's all that going? Um, well, brilliant. We ha- we always have a, I always have a theme um, in the fashion gardens I uh, curate, and it seemed obvious starting uh, last last year, just before Brexit, that protest was going to be very much on the agenda, but we didn't know how much it would come in such a tsunami of disaster. Um, Trump hadn't been elected at that point. And then it became more and more compelling that we, we used um, uh, this, this time to talk about um, protest fashion, the point of it. And, um, and that's why I was so delighted that you're, you're here, the original fashion protester. Well, what? How, how did, what's your relationship, you two? How did you? When did you two first meet? Is there a memory there or a story? God, did you come with me to that Bath menswear award on the train? Yes, I think I did. You did yes, didn't you? <laughs> yes, that when was, was that? that? When was that? It was been? for the um, the, the uh, Bath Costume Museum. Uh, it was called the Dress of the Year, wasn't it? For the museum, oh, but it was, was it? A, it was the men, it was the menswear. Yes, and we all went yes. on the train. Yes. And it was quite fun. That was the 80s. So. And did they let's go around and put on the white gloves and go through the stuff? Yes. I've got a feeling they yes, did too. Yes, that's where I come from, actually. Is my, my, that's why I'm in fashion. That was a connection. Yes. So you pulled that one. Yes, but you, you don't know that um, uh, one of your shows that you had at the, um, I think it was Commonwealth Institute, you had a tent, it was tent outside, I think. Maybe. Anyway, I think it's I got in under blower. the tent. <laughs> before I was in, before I was a, a journalist. No, I wasn't. A, no, I was. I was a. I was a, a young rebel. journalist working for. Um, in my first job at at uh, Miss London Magazine. So, anyway, um, but of course, the next time that. Uh, uh, hang on. When when did you when when did you, when was your first collection? Because I'm trying to recall what year that was. First, uh, well, uh, Catherine Allen at London, seventy nine. Mm, wasn't there? But um, I can't remember when we did our first fashion show for it, to be perfectly honest. I think it was that James Bond one, which must have been 1980 or something like that. 80, 81, maybe, because we did men's where yes. we got men's where we got those James Bond suits, so it would have been yes. 81. I think it was, that was the one that I gate wrong, crashed. Yeah. But it, in a very nice way. The sweat machines were done first, yes. <laughs> But of course, the um, the, t- the time that you <coughs> made such a major impact was when you confronted Margaret Thatcher at that Downing Street reception, which was for for London Fashion Week, which had kind of been unheard of. Mm. I think that the, the 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 Prime Minister would have yeah. invited the fashion uh, press. Um, and here here we are. I literally cannot believe that, that this ma- this t shirt is is right here. Yeah, well, so the, the famous t shirt that you wore to. See Margaret Thatcher saying 58 
percent how much don't, like, want don't want Pershing and it's the very same t-shirt that's hanging here now which we were very excited to look at earlier. yeah it's the one and only and also Sarah was saying how amazing it is because actually it feels quite different to what it looks like you expect it to be cotton but it's yeah. actually really beautiful no, sort it was silk a, fabric it was knocked up at the last minute I mean I wasn't going to go because I hated Thatcher you know on every level you know set, I mean, selling off social housing for instance and not using the money to build any more, setting off knock-down price to our mates or whatever, and, you know, the Falklands War, the miners' strike, the unions, school milk, you know, and endlessly loathsome. Um, and I wasn't actually going to go because I just thought to her repulsive, you know, I don't want to shake that woman's hand. And then I thought, well, actually, it is a really good photo opportunity. We could do something that would be quite funny. So it was a sort of early selfie or very early selfie. Yeah, it's quite interesting. I was thinking about that, actually. I was thinking about how, what would have happened if that had been today, in today's, like, super Instagrammy world. Well, it did go across the planet. Yeah. I mean, I never thought, I just thought we'd get one pick that I could kind of scrounge off one of the agencies that were there. But it did go across the planet. Mm. I started getting calls that night from people mm. in Miami, Tobago, you know, and it went on. All the friends around the world, it was just completely syndicated globally. Sarah, do you remember the effect that had? Do you remember? Well, of course. I mean, we were all we were all rising up as uh, against Thatcher, feeling pretty helpless actually. Um, But tell tell us, Catherine, because this this T-shirt is not printed on the on the silk. It's it's paper. Well, on the front done, and back. I had to get it done that afternoon. I mean, there were no sort of snappy snaps where you could get a T-shirt done. I thought, how are we going to do it? And in fact, I had to get it laid out, get it the layout photographed, get it exposed onto photographic muslin, which is the nearest thing to fabric, and then stitch it onto a silk T-shirt, you know, that we, something that we prepared earlier. Um, so it's a pretty hideous thing to wear. I mean, it's like one-off being a proper sandwich man, you know, with like sort of two-by, you know, <laughs> plywood, you know. But I knew that it would make a good photograph. You wouldn't see all the gory horror of the detail which you guys are shocked about looking at. Like, how could you wear that ghastly <laughs> thing? I don't think that's really, 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 really cool. But yeah, I knew it would make a good picture, but I, so, but I had to sneak it in. So I kind How of, did you get it? Because when you go into Downing Street... Um, they strip you. They, yes, basically. Yeah, how did you get in? Um, just because I pretended that I was a little chilly that afternoon, didn't really want to check my clothes, you know. So, oh, it's all kind of... Somebody said, it's all in the bearings. It's, oh, no, I'm just... OK, you know, I'll keep my coat. And then I knew, because I knew they'd obviously, like, um, strip it off me. And then I just revealed it as I was shaking her hand. Brilliantly timed. Mm, well, totally calculated. Yeah, it was, yes. ca- yeah, it was calculated. <laughs> yeah, it was... Um, and what was the reaction? Because she, she, I, I, I read that she, she had a really stinging repost ready. Well, no, I Not told ready, you. But, you didn't yes. read it. I told you. Nobody yes. printed it. Right. You didn't hear it. Um, to start off with, she said, "Oh, my dear, at last a true original." You know, her sort of professional <laughs> voice. And then the cameras sort of flashed, and then they were, and then they went mad. She said, "Oh, you seem to be wearing rather a strong message." And she sort of leant over to look at what it's saying, and she. Said, like a chicken and but then you know back on form she said oh we haven't got Pershing here we've got Cruz my dear so maybe you're at the wrong party but she was <laughs> pretty thrown I thought well that's a bit rude because she'd invited me yeah you know she'd look at her own guest list um 
And then everybody shunned me. They were all horrified. Everyone at the event? Uh, yeah, because yeah, yeah, once yes. you've kind of gone through the reception bit, yeah, all, apart from Jasper Conran, who was really sweet, we sat down and chatted all evening on this beautiful kind of Queen Anne canapé. It's gorgeous. Sofa, as opposed to thing to eat. Um, and didn't know, you say it. that you, you actually decided you needed to, to, to bring up something else with her? Yeah, I did. I followed around, around. I followed around the room because then, you know, this is when they were discovering, the time when they were discovering acid rain, you know, destruction of Scandinavian rainforests, acidification of lakes, and it was all coming from coal burning, you know. And so I thought, well, I'm going to nail her on that too. And so I followed her around and she kind of slithered and escaped. And I was actually finally the last person to leave, you know, so it was a great claim to fame. And said to her, what, and so what about acid rain? And she said, we don't know what causes acid rain. I'm a scientist. Good night. And so poor husband <laughs> was there. So I shook it in his hand and just said, good luck. How but funny. it did go bonkers. And that led to you then creating lots more... T-shirts? No, no, it didn't lead to anything. Oh. We'd been doing loads of T-shirts before. You know, we started off with Choose Life, which was central to the Buddhist philosophy. Um, I'd done the T-shirts because we were getting hugely copied for our clothes. I mean, it was just actually quite annoying. Manufacturers would just go in, we'd do a delivery to Joseph or somebody, and they would just buy one of everything, copy it without trying well, on. The clothes just... are these, this was, as I remember, wonderful um, casual sportswear. I mean, it was the first time that kind of cool, uh, that casual fashion had been really acceptably fashionable, I think, um, with your parachute silks and your padded jackets and your... sat. I mean, is that were you actually aiming at any particular? These days, people would aim at markets, or they would they would think I'm going to fill that slot. But where did where did your kind of aesthetic come from? Well, I suppose you know aesthetics. What you like, what you'd want to wear yourself, yeah. what you'd like to see your friends in. Um, it's kind of ageless. Mm. I mean, I think that fashion is very much a state of mind, and I love it. You know, when you get sort of sixteen year olds or fourteen year olds wearing it. And, we had 70-year-olds wearing it as well, yeah. and I just think that's wonderful. And I've always thought it's to do with people who think like you rather than any sort of... You know, yeah. obviously people have got to be able to afford the clothes, but it's not any kind of split section of this, that and the other. Um, you know, maybe I'm wrong, but it did work phenomenally well. And we were getting hugely copied... And I thought, well, I love ideas that really tick all the boxes, you know. What would be great if it was copied? What would make me laugh if it was copied? You know, what would be a really good thing if it was copied? And what, you know, and I thought, well, I'll do these environmental and social messages, things that need talking about. Because some of these things, like use the condom, for instance, this was, you couldn't talk about condoms in the 80s, beginning of the AIDS you know, it was just like condoms were something sort of very under the counter, and it was like, uh, uh, so I thought we'd need to. And Stay Alive in 85, that was the beginning of that campaign, wasn't it? Well, that was part of it. Yeah, yeah I mean, the, you know, 85, it was, AIDS was roaring. I mean, who is it? You know, Norma Kamali said she lost more friends to AIDS than she lost in the Vietnam War. Mm. You know, it was just incredible the sway that just mm. swept across the world. So, anyway slogan t-shirts tick the boxes and they were copied but the text really wasn't copied I mean the look was copied one of the questions that that, that we want to debate at Port Elliot um the fundamental question is what is what what is the point of people think that fashion is very um frivolous what is the actual point of using what you wear to protest 
What's the end? How? What's what's the end result been for you? Is there an end result? Well, it gets a message across. Uh, you can't not read them. Mm-hmm. You know, there's uh, you have absolutely no filter. You have no defences once you can read about Against three words. words in writing. So mm-hmm. it gets straight into your brain and chews around and makes you think and question and hopefully end up doing the right thing or changing your behaviour at least. Um, and having it on a person, you know, there's no more interesting thing really to put it on. I mean, you can project it on buildings, but you see a beautiful girl walking down the street with something written on her chest, you're going to want to read it. You're caught, you know, it's like sort of Nazi propaganda techniques being applied, you know. Um, does, so, it change, does it change things, do you think? Well, I think um, we're doing the Choose Love one right now for help refugees, and that seems to have really kind of resonated enormously and make people think maybe that is the way that we should be living, which I think is actually the only way without sounding cheesy or corny. So being as principled as you are, that's that you immediately sort of confront the problems of production of, of, of clothing and, um, and the, the point of selling a charity T-shirt, how much money goes to, to the charity... All the charity, all the yes. money, all the money. Has I mean, all, so, so these, these, these two. Um, oh, Council Brexit, my favourite one. And um, yeah, we're doing that to. That, that's going to momentum, the kind of Labour activist party. I mean, I'd like to write on it. It's all contributions go to the Labour Party, um, just to give Jeremy a slight kick in the shin that he did say at the beginning of the whole... That he would cancel Brexit. No, he he didn't. He didn't say he would cancel Brexit. He said Europe is best reformed from within. So Mm. what made him change his mind? I'd like to this T-shirt to help him change his mind. So actually Brexit is really one of the stupidest ideas we've ever come up with. That was really interesting because I heard you on the Today programme. I think that's why I actually retracked you down when you um, during the election campaign where you you said... um, in an incredibly pithy way, that this country has not got any um, natural resources, we haven't got any manufacturing, and the only resource we have is our is our young people. It's our educated population. Yes. Yeah. But then you also t- you you went on to speak about um, when you were at Central Saint Martin's that you were the only public school girl there. Um, I mean, I'm when I when I was at university. Um, I don't know if there was anybody from public school, but if there were, if, if there were was anybody, they they hid it, and everybody sort of come. Um, uh, there was there was a democracy of talent. I mean, um, because we were lucky enough to go to university when it was free. Yes, and it was competitive. Since, uh, it was yes, not just competitive, but just um, you. You couldn't buy your way in if you were you rich. Couldn't, you, well, you couldn't. You couldn't. No. No. So um, anyway, talk, it, talk about talk about that time at Central Saint Martins. Well, I suppose when I went to uh, Central Saint Martins. Um, I was pretty well the only public school educated person there, and they wouldn't take me seriously. I had to change. You've been my to Tottenham Ladies College, mm. that right? Yes. Yeah, I spoke like Sue Lloyd Roberts. Um, I don't know if I could still do it. Probably a <laughs> bit like that. Anyway, they were just not. You know, I was regarded as a talentless git, and that was a bit unfair. Yes. But I had to tone down the way that I spoke, and they, you know, and they were the most incredible. I mean, I'd never been allowed to play with the village boys, and it's the first day there, life drawing sat next to a guy called Harry Holland who'd been a lorry driver and decided he wanted to be a fine artist. And, you know, in the break, you look at everybody else's work and, you know, 
was very nervous because he was very sort of frightening looking. I looked and it was just like, oh my God, I'm never going to be able to draw like that my whole mm. life. You know, it was incredibly leveling experience and fascinating and fantastic. And yet 30 years later, uh, my girl who is, is my right hand went to St. Martin's and it was the other way around. She's the only one with a working class accent and she had to push it up because nobody would speak to her. And it's just so sad. And What do you think's brought about that change? Well, it's, it's, it's tuition fees. It's tuition fees and cuts back in education. I mean, we had history of art was 50% of our marks. We did history of fashion. We did history of cinema. We did history of photography. And we also had the most incredible technical training. Like, when we left, we could really get a job. Mm. You know, we could work in anything. So social Sigma does, does do, the, do the former. It doesn't do the latter um, so much because... Uh, um, or I'm, I, I won't generalise this about Central St Martins, but um, I'm very interested in how uh, what you're saying that, that technical pattern cutting, cutting skills and, and and all those things were so important to, to in your generation because they those are the courses that have been wiped off because um, because they're expensive to run and and the universities have um, had the belief that it's all done by computers anyway now. That's so What wrong. do you think about oh, that? That's terrible. I think you need to know it by hand. You need to learn it by hand, you know, and you need to do flat pattern cutting and you need to be able to do drape on the stand because you can combine bows. And then it'd be good to learn how to do it on a computer as well because, in fact, you can combine all three systems. You can get, you know, I won't get it technically boring, but... I think that you need to understand pattern cutting to be a fashion designer. You need to be able to know how to do it. You need to be able to do it well so that you can get to turn two dimensions into three dimensions to a level that you're happy with. And then you can go on and get, you know, you can do it on the computer, but you need to be able to do it manually first because it also stimulates your imagination, gives you an understanding of form, hands-on. I don't think that you can say that that's not relevant. Mm-hmm. I think it's vastly important. They come out now, I've had... MA students come to help us with do collections. They don't know how to sell for him. Mm. I mean, it's pathetic. And what about um, learning about environmental um, environmental impact at that sort of level? Because I mean, I know Sarah, you've obviously been involved quite a lot with Central St Martins as well. Um, well, until that... recently, they were saying um, that sustainability was a waste of time. Was that um, something that you experienced, Sarah? Do you, do you think that London College really Fashion does have a whole unit now which is dedicated yeah, to, 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 to sustainability? Mm. Yes, but Central St Martins were just poo-pooing it. However, um, because I, I'm a visiting professor there, and I go and I go and talk to a lot of students. A lot of them are going to be at Central St Martins, and, and there's no question to them that sustain, you know not damaging the environment is is a number one thing. Well, they're not number one, but it's 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 part of what they. Who they are and what they believe. And what they, what they care in. about. Yes. Yeah, so it has to be taught. Do you think that's what is that a sea change that's happened recently, do you think? Yes, I think there's a very new generation in the past ten years. Um I won't say that uh, that, that doing fashion business is being comfortable, but um actually because because of the grants we've had from the EU, which nobody actually spoke about, to support young um entrepreneurs. Um, and uh, the fact that the internet came along and you can sell globally it was, it's been very different for this last generation of the last 10 years to, 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 to yours because um, their work can be seen and bought immediately by all the department stores around the world that's happened, there's been a boom um, was, I mean, your, when you started Catherine 
Um, I mean, selling was a whole different thing because your catwalk shows were everybody's catwalk shows were just printed in newspapers, weren't they? And not yeah, all, but even we, all we of them. Yeah, we to start off with. We used to take suitcases of samples yes. around door to door. Yes. Go to Paris and lug them around Paris. Yeah. Get half of them nicked. Yeah. You know. <laughs> Actually, I still believe in the door-to-door thing because making relationships is really important. But um, well, then there was trade. Then there were the trade shows, oh, and yes. you know, I think I showed at the first London designer collections at Grosvenor House. That was funny. I mean, they were so amateur compared with now. And then sort of fashion shows were a lot later. But in fact, you'd really had to establish yourself and got your into stores before you even did fashion shows because fashion shows were regarded only for the press and they wouldn't allow the buyers. It was really mean. I thought it was mean. Didn't you know that? No. No, they wouldn't let the buyers in. It was all about the press. Uh, the press, you know, nothing but the so press. So we had to go around stand by stand. Yes, I never understood. It, always, it was so soul-destroying <laughs> as, a, as a writer, oh. let alone a designer. Yeah, it was a slog. I mean, it was funny, you, were, you know, and it could work. But going back to the, the, the thing about sustainability, I mean, that's been um, part of your battle for, for a very long time. You, I think you were the first, first designer I was aware of, ever aware of um, tackling those issues, um, which can be very self-defeating, can't they? Well, so how did you... I don't think it's super important. Yeah. I mean, I was, yeah, we were sort of 80s. We were just going from success to success to success. And it actually got a bit boring. I mean, it sounds really <laughs> inviting, disaster thing to say. Really You're making millions and had something like 700 but it was, plus. It was a bit kind of, you know, there you are, sort of at the top of the pile. And it's like, what else is there to do? The worse we behave, the more we love it, the more controversial <laughs> our ad campaigns are, the more we get sort of complaints upheld from sanity, the more people buy and love us. Um, and I thought, well, just in line with Buddhism, which is a philosophy which I find really useful... Um, they talk about right livelihood, which is about earning a living without harming any living thing. And I thought, mm. well, we can't be doing much wrong because we're just making silly frocks, but we just check it anyway. So I got some internal research done, you know, some really good people onto it. And they sort of came back after about six weeks. And I said, how is it all fine? They said, well, actually, no, it's not. And um, there was a book by Dorothy Myers from Pesticide Action Network on... I think it was something like the true cost of cotton. And it was 10,000 deaths a year from accidental pesticide poisoning from, you know, pesticides, um, contamination of rivers, contamination of the sea, desertification, um, migration, you know, further north, everything that you could think about. Um, you know, half the people were dying, nobody even knew what they died of because they had no... Healthcare, there were no hospitals, but in actual fact, it was a complete nightmare. And then you look at things like nylon, polyester, wool, all absolute nightmares. And so there we'd been on this thing thinking we were doing marvellous, and in fact, we were just spearheading, you know, a sewer that turned into bloodbath. So, is this something that you just sort of discovered? Did it gen- start to dawn on you, or had you always been aware of environmental? No, I just we did this research. So I just thought we're doing fine, mm. we're doing making silly frocks, we can't be doing any harm, this is hysterical laugh, we're making loads of money, um, having an absolute ball, taking the piss, staying in the best hotels in the world, giving fabulous parties, going on the living the, the high life. <laughs> yeah, because you had all the fab years. Yeah. It was beyond, yeah. it was beyond, you know, housekeeper, cleaner, seven days a week, chauffeur. <laughs> Sounds amazing. Yeah, you didn't like that. I got bored with that. Well, I wasn't that bored with that, but then it just brings you up with a screeching haunt. You think, yeah. oh, my God, what am I going to do? Well, why didn't you just close up shop? 
and and go to be a what a vegetable a, grower? I don't know. Well, you could have done. I suppose if I'd been sensible, I probably would have done. But then um, I thought I could change the industry from within. I yeah. thought I'd just tell people. That's the and they'll say, oh, my God, this is appalling. This is an untenable situation. We'll put it right at once. Uh-oh. Not. And how did, that, how, did they, how did the fashion industry react when you tried to do that? Well, um, not very interested. Um, I gave a talk, actually. It was quite fun. It was at the UN building in New York. You know, the, is it the North by Northwest one? Mm. It was, like, wonderful to be there saying it was untenable. And it was picked up by Women's Wear Daily. Um, but then kind of nothing happened. So I said, right, our denim manufacturer is going to use organic cotton. Um, there wasn't any. Or if there was, it was about as thick as this table. So I said, right, we'll give 10% of the proceeds to Pesticide Action Network, who'd got these really beautiful organic farming setups, converting farmers from conventional to organic to help fund them. So first season, fine. Second season, fine. Third season, check was late. I'm getting calls for Pesticide Action Network. They need to pay the farmers. You know, what can they do? I'm getting onto the guys at the Dean Jeans line. No answer, no answer. So cut to the kill. I smuggled a TV, a Channel 4 TV crew in there. <laughs> um, in a large dark windowed limo and we bearded the guy no in his way. den and demanded the cheque and he was in a meeting with Trusadi and we arrived <laughs> with TV cameras and it was like super, super embarrassing for him and we got the cheque but that was sort of the end of the denim licence <laughs> <laughs> so. and it was great, we had 20 minutes on Channel 4 News with John Snow, bless him Always, oh, always. Love John uh, Snow. Can I, can I uh, want to bring you back to the council Brexit and the um, uh, uh, the Choose Love T-shirts because they um, in our protest show, um, I think you're going to allow some kids to wear to wear them. Um, yeah, tell us, them, tell us about Rapa Nui. How they're made because you, you actually have reached a point where you you have a totally clean product, haven't you? Yes, clean product, clean hands on that one. Okay, Rapa Nui are this wonderful young company in the Isle of Wight, um, set up by two brothers, um, and they're doing it completely environmentally. Um, they tick so many boxes, like, you know, we've run out of warehouse space. It's organic cotton from a wind-powered mill in India. Um, they're digitally printed... Um, they have an uh, apprenticeship program, so they just take in local kids, train them up. All their staff are ex-apprentices. Um, you know, it's magic. They've grown from nothing. They've moved to bigger premises. Um, they're super digital, so you can anybody can, you can all find them on well, social media and all that. Well, they yeah, can but you can Rapa Nui, Rapa Nui, Nui. Nui. and can, it's organic ink, isn't it? Organic yeah, it's all it's okay. super. Yeah, yeah. it's it comes super super clean, um, and you can send them sort of an Instagram photograph, and they'll print it for you, and they'll have it you know your letterbox the next morning. They're super efficient, it's excellent, service. and they're growing and growing, and they're doing. The Choose Love Teas, which we've done for health refugees, which I think they print about 20,000. So, And then I think ASOS have now picked those up and also are selling them for no profit, so we don't touch a penny 
on this, all the money. I mean, it would be obscene, I think, to take anything from that. So all the money goes to the refugees. So money goes, when you, when you buy one of these T-shirts online, the, the money goes okay. straight Rap- to... Rapanui, obviously, you know, they've got a cost and a charge, yeah. and so, they, you know, they have to make a profit on it to survive. Mm-hmm. They have to pay their staff. But then all the rest of the money goes to help okay. refugees who distribute it immediately. And they're actually doing more on the ground than... Oxfam, Save the Children, UNHCR, anybody to care, you care to name. And it's a team of five people. And so far they've raised eight million, not just from T-shirts, but they're just getting it out there. Gosh, very and they're impressive. right across the Mediterranean into Syria. You know, they're just incredible. Uh, and then in terms of your own label, which is, there's lots of stuff happening around that. Sarah, did you want to talk to Catherine about that? Yes, I'm... Um, um, the uh, no, you don't relaunch. want to say relaunch. <laughs> yeah, but we can use it. You're okay? re-emerging. Okay. You're rising from. Yeah, from the, the ashes again. or Waves. doing it properly. I mean, I did. Goddess-like. I didn't. You know, I decided after a long battle with the industry that I, I maybe I went to Mali in '03 to a sort of guest of ox firm to highlight the price of the cotton farmers before the Cancun trade talks. And it was good. We did get cotton right up there. But in the process, I saw what was actually happening in Africa, how cotton farmers are treated. And it's beggar's belief. You know, you, I yeah. mean, there were other things that happened on the trip that made me pretty angry. And I just thought, I can't carry on like this. I can't, you know, I refuse to pay my a living at the expense, you know, of human suffering and you know, environmental degradation at the bottom of the supply chain. So I'm going to be the driving force for um, organic cotton. I'm going to work with big manufacturers, people like Tesco and Marks and Spencers and Co-op Italy. And I tried them all. So these are all brands you think who are doing things that are good good things? Well, I mean, Tesco certainly were the best of the lot, I thought. Marks and Spencers were less convinced because... They said, oh, you know, if we PR this, it's organic cotton. People say, what's wrong with your other cotton? And they're kind of espoused to this better cotton initiative, which I particularly dislike because it still uses pesticide. Okay, less, but, you know, pesticide, microbiological death, destroys soil fertility. You're going to get, you know, erosion. You're dependent on chemical fertilisers. It's just, like, not good enough. So, um... So what are I you kind doing of now? A blank. Well, we got sort of involved with Kanye, who suddenly got really Kanye West got him sort of keen on my Kanye stuff. Kanye West is your whatever. biggest fan. My biggest fan, <laughs> and he said, "Oh, you know, really want to work with you, blah blah." And we photographed the collection for him because he wanted to use it as inspiration. And it made <laughs> me realise that the, you know, because everybody was saying, "Ooh ah, ooh ah," um, you should do all of this again. It would be driving me mad about the old stuff. And I thought, well, actually. Um, why not? What was it about your your clothing that he liked particularly? Um, I think it's the proportion, and I think it was the men the men's wear, and um, just the sort of the shapes and the styles and the utility thing and some kind of crossover um, with that kind of hip hoppy look, which I mean I've always loved, and so that was very nice, and it was fun going over there and meeting. You know, these people like Drake and yeah. Travis Scott. <laughs> and did it somehow inspire you with your new collection that's coming out in the autumn? Yeah, yeah. Um, actually, I thought, hell yeah, this stuff is actually quite good. Why not? 
And I thought the only way I'm actually going to be able to do it properly, and I've always wanted to do, you know, since the dreadful moment in 89 when we found everything was wrong, ethically, as environmentally as possible, and preserving traditional skills. And so we're making in Italy under EU employment law at the moment. Um, everything's organic. All the cotton's organic. Um, GOTS, GOTS certified. What I find incredible is it, it, it feels like, because I remember the original quality, exactly... It's concrete. The same or, or, or better. No, no, no discernible difference. It doesn't look like a, com- a completely different product whatsoever. And also your shape's also relevant too. Well, but, just, the, but the actual fabrication now is it, it's hasn't doesn't appear to have changed even though it's um, now organically sourced right well i mean if you look at organic cotton it's identical it's actually better, better. than right. conventional because it's less damaged by the pesticides which are actually mm. kind of quite abrasive i mean if you look at all the clothes that jane austen was wearing like the bath museum anything up to 1940 1950 they derived from World War II nerve gases, something dreadful like that. Um, it was all organic. You know, you see those incredible, you know, these incredible pillows people wore in the 19th century turn, you know, turn of the 19th century, the 20th century, the muslins, all of that, that's all organic. So what's wrong with it? You know, why shouldn't we be using it now? Mm. It's just harder for huge American farmers to make fortunes because they've got, you know, 500, 5,000 acres, whereas organic cotton is grown in small holdings by farming communities on the whole. And, Captain, what do you think of um, what Sarah's doing at Port Elliot? I was sort of trying to sort of bring it full circle now. That's great. I mean, I wish I could be there, but I'm being driven on holiday at kind of bayonet point by the crew who think I've probably slightly lost my mind by now. <laughs> You're going to be on holiday? Yeah, I'm going to be on holiday. Where are you going on holiday? To Mallorca. Oh, lovely. Well, you'll be there in slogan and um, and, and very much in spirit because um, there, you know, there, there have been generations um, since since I was young which, which were very passive, um, but now they are not. And, and I love everyone, them. Yeah. I love them. I love the fact that this is Great Awakening. Yes, and you're going to have to watch it all on social media and on the other podcast as well no i wish i was there yeah. but really why did yeah. you have to choose that goddamn weekend <laughs> <laughs> thank you Catherine. thank you and thank you both it's so much for um, appearing on violet sessions it was a real pleasure thanks thank you <laughs> thanks for having us that was Catherine hamnet and sarah mower on violet sessions you can find previous episodes on the Violet Bakery website via iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can also keep up with us on Instagram by following at Violet Sessions. The show is a co-production of In Talks With and Wargi Productions. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.